morning, everyone. Happy Hanukkah. This week's Parsha Miketz, we have the fascinating uh, description of the uh, metamorphosis of Yosef HaTzadik. Chumash Breshis is Maseovo Simon Labonim. That it's not only the story of what happened to our ancestors, uh, but also a description of life even thousands of years later. So Yosef has a terrible family experience. His brothers uh, want to kill him. And uh, not only that... Before uh, I got over it, how dare you even second-guess me? Why didn't you ask me if I got over it? I don't know what that is. I muted it. it. Sounds like it. I muted it. Oh. It all. It all. It all muted. Okay. Sorry about that. <laughs> so the brothers are uh, willing to. Uh, kill Yosef. And the brothers are willing to inflict uh, grief and pain on their old father. And they feel that they're justified. Yosef, who is yet young, does not understand their anger. He doesn't appreciate what the problem is. And therefore, he keeps on telling them these dreams. And by telling them these dreams, he only further intensifies the enmity against him. And then, as the story unfolds, the brothers take action. They see Yosef coming. Shimon Levi says, Ruvain says, put him in the pit. Yehuda says, sell him. And he ends up a slave in Egypt. Now, how does Yosef look at this? So one way of looking at it is, If this is the way religious Jews behave, I don't want to have anything to do with it. 
people who represent themselves as the servants of God who are willing to uh, stand up against the whole world, so to speak, and proclaim their beliefs. And if they could behave like this, they could do this to a brother. So then the whole thing, forget it. Must all be of no value. Because it doesn't translate itself into life. So Yosef is sold into Egypt. In the Torah it says that uh, there came a day that Yosef is willing to the seduction of the wife of Potiphar. Lasos Malachto, he came to do what he wanted to do. Reinish Baboyis, nobody's home. She set it up perfectly. He's ready. So we can understand, not necessarily fully understand, but we have a glimmer of understanding that he's willing to uh, be saying, uh, you know, uh, why should I withhold myself from pleasure in this world after what the religious Jews did to me? After my own family betrayed me and sold me as a slave. So, forget it. I remember that when I was a child in Chicago, so uh, we lived in the 24th ward of the city of Chicago for elections. 24th Ward was the most democratic ward in the United States. It was 98%, with no exaggeration, 98% democratic. If you voted uh, in a different way, uh, you were not Jewish. I remember that when Eisenhower won the presidency in 1952, so for 20 years in a row the Democrats had been president, Roosevelt and Truman. When Eisenhower, the Republican, won, so in the shul they stopped saying the Mishaberach for the president. That's how Jewish it was. So this young man, uh, I mean this elderly uh, man next door, was uh, running in the Democratic primary for alderman from the 24th Ward. And the election was on Cholamoid Pesach. 
And so in order to uh, show that he was uh, Jewish, etc., this was at a time when uh, even uh, Jews that were not particularly observant, but they all had eight days matzah. So he uh, publicly... uh, purchased his matzahs and uh, had pictures taken of him at the Seder to show uh, what a good Jew he was. And then what happened was on the day of the election, uh, his opponent won and he lost. And he lived on the second floor of the next door building. I remember he threw a box of matzahs out the window and he said, uh, he said it uh, very strongly. He says, the hell with the damn crackers. Who needs them? So Yosef is in a position to do that too. That's the story of Potiphar's wife. My brothers treated me that way. My father let it happen. By Yigarbo Father's on the side of the brothers. And I need not uh, elaborate how in our time we have countless cases like that. Where a child leaves the fold simply because of the fact that he feels he was misunderstood or mistreated at home. So he not only does he not want to have anything to do with his family, he chucks the whole thing. No, no, it's all gone. And then comes the turning point in Yosef. As he is about to commit this act which would have had a finality to it. Just imagine the complication afterwards. The Medrash says, the famous Medrash, that he saw his father looking at him outside the window. Now that's a metaphor. Jacob was not in Egypt and he was not looking in any windows. But Yosef all of a sudden has a moment of clarity. And in that moment of clarity he says to himself maybe I have complaints against my father. But he's my father. How can I throw out the entire heritage that took us now three generations to build and that my father sacrificed himself for so many years to maintain? How can I throw it all away simply because I have a complaint? simply because I was mistreated and misunderstood. So that's an instant of the turning point. 
And uh, when that happens, so then he runs away from the wife of Potiphar, and uh, then she frames him, and he's in jail. <coughs> when he's in jail, he thinks again, how did I get in jail? If I would have succumbed there, I wouldn't be in jail. So again, what good is it? It only brings about (coughs) further troubles and pain. What advantage is there to maintain the tradition? My family has deserted me. When I try to do what's right, you see what happens. I get up and I get in. I end up in jail. So throw out the crackers. It's all useless. Then miraculously, his luck turns, as we see in the parsha. The Saramashkim, the butler, and then the, he remain, he, he, uh, recommends him to Paro, and, uh, Paro, uh, uh, unaccountably, I mean, if you'll think about it, it's absolutely, uh, miraculous that why should he give, just cause somebody interpreted a dream nicely, so I'll make you the, uh, you know, the CEO of the company. Would have been enough, he would have said, well, you had a lifetime sentence, I'll commute 20 years. But he becomes Mishnah Lamelech. Becomes the viceroy of the king. He rides through the streets and everybody has to bow before him. And he marries a princess. All sorts of midrashim, who us not was, but the Torah, she's called the princess, the daughter of Potiphar. He marries into uh, high society, the cabots and the lodge. The Rockefellers. So once again, he looks at the situation. They have a child, a son. And he called him Menashe. Why? Kinashani Elohim. It's Koloni Vesbeisovi. The Lord has allowed me to forget all of my previous pain and to forget my family. I'm free of them, finally. If that's the way they behave, boom. I've forgotten them. Write them out of the book. The old man, the brothers... 
their quaint ways, their faith, forget it all. Kinashani Elohim. So before Shem say, Nashani Elohim is not only the Lord has made me forget, I forgot the Lord. I don't need the whole thing. I made it. And Chazal always were wary of people who are too successful. Evet ki yimloch. Shlomo Melech says, the servant becomes the king, you're in trouble. Can't handle it. But, there's a funny thing about Jews. Uh, they're, they're never at peace. It's never enough. They're never happy. Never satisfied. If we want to describe American Jewry today, it is they're never happy. They're never satisfied. It's never enough. So when I was a child, my parents didn't have a refrigerator. They had an ice box. And I remember the guy used to schlep up a 50-pound block of ice every three days and put it in the ice box. And as a child, I thought to myself, oh, if my father could only earn enough money that we would have a refrigerator like my friends had a refrigerator. The brand name then was Frigidaire, so we called it a Frigidaire, not a refrigerator. And the Lord helped us, and we got a refrigerator. But then there were my friends, uh, their parents had an automobile. My father never owned an automobile in his life. So I said to myself, if I only would have an automobile... So I had an automobile. But it wasn't big enough. It wasn't good enough. There's always a better one. It took me for a long, it took me a long time to get over that. So that the last automobile I owned before I came to Israel was a 13 year old Ford. Because that was good enough. People of my congregation used to tell me, Rabbi, it's not nice for you to drive such an old car. So I said to them, do something about it. But no one ever did. So uh, Yosef uh, all of a sudden uh, finds it empty. All the bowing and scraping, people saying Avrech when he walks by, 
living in the palace. And he's starting to be haunted by the face of his father, whom he saw outside the window by the wife of Potiphar. So they have a second child. The second son he calls Ephraim. In the land of my affliction, the Lord has made me numerous. So it's no longer that I forgot the past. And Mitzrayim now becomes Eretzonyi, the land of my affliction. And the only thing that I have is that maybe Ephraim and Menashe will somehow be of value, of eternal value. So Yosef is conflicted. And, but he does his job, right? There's a, the years of plenty, seven years of plenty. He stores up food, he creates uh, storehouses, system of distribution. He's the genius, accomplishes wonders. And then come two years of famine. And the famine is far greater than he anticipated. We'll see that the famine is so great that he has to collect all the money. He drains Egypt of all of its money. And then of its cattle. And then they have to move around into uh, Corona hotels, everybody. The government takes over the whole society. And they've got five more years to go. And he doesn't see how we're going to be able to get there. And he's all aware that if he doesn't get there, they'll kill him. (laughs) One day... Ten guys with black hats walk in. Vayakir Yosef Esechov. All of a sudden, Yosef recognized his brothers. Vahem Lohikiruhu. They didn't recognize him. There are many interpretations of that. But he recognized them, I'm brothers, here they are, these ten guys, you know, long coats. And now he remembers everything. Everything is forced upon him again. He remembers the dreams, he remembers how they treated him. 
You remember that his father sided with them. All of that floods back now. Now he can't shut it up anymore. We'll see later that uh, Ephraim comes before Menashe because Menashe, Kinashani, Elohim, the Lord maybe forget that was only temporary. Ephrani Barrett's on ye is permanent. So now this drama really begins. Uh, there was a great uh, Jew by the name of Herman Wook. Passed away a few years ago. He was a hundred years old when he passed away. I remember when I uh, was a teenager. Wook came to Chicago. He had won a Pulitzer Prize for his uh, Kane Mutiny uh, drama on Broadway. And his book was an enormous bestseller, and he's written, he wrote many books afterwards. He was a very, very talented author. And he was an observant Jew at a time when nobody in the field was an observant Jew. And I remember he spoke at a banquet in Chicago. I went, uh, snuck in in the back to hear him. And he said it the way it was. This was in 1951, maybe. 52. He said conservative Judaism would destroy American Jewry. He said 80% of American Jewry would end up being non-Jewish. The only hope, he said, was the day school movement and the yeshivas that then were starting to strengthen. The Orthodox have to see themselves as being the Jewish people and not just a fragment of them. He said things that no Orthodox rabbi dared to say. But he could say it because he was Herman Wook. So Wook had a son by the name of Abe Wook. And his son passed away as a teenager. And Wook wrote a book in memory of his son. The name of the book is This Is My God. It was an exposition of Orthodox, traditional, authentic Judaism. Written beautifully. It was a book that uh, rabbis in my generation, we used that book. We handed it out to people. It was the introduction to becoming a convert. It was the introduction to becoming a Balchuva. It was It was a strengthening of religion for the... Kolel Jungerlite in, Tel- in uh, Lakewood. Magnificent book. In the introduction to the book, he has a vignette, a little story, about a very high-powered, wealthy, assimilated Jew. 
who has uh, an office on the uh, 37th floor of the Empire State Building in New York. And he comes one day, he's, he's coming to his office, and he's in the lobby waiting for the elevator, and a, a Jew from Yerushalayim is waiting for, with him. Black hat, capote, the tzitzes out, straggly beard. And he looks at him. And he says, what do I have to do with him? What's my relationship to him? What is this story? And it troubles the wealthy man. So Wook said that he wrote the book for the wealthy man. So that he would know what his relationship is to this straggly, smelly Jew from Jerusalem. Well, that's what happens to Yosef. He's riding high. He's the viceroy of Egypt. Everybody's bowing to him. Here come ten guys. What am I going to do with them? I remember after the war, so refugees came to Chicago. Refugees from uh, that were in Shanghai during the war with the Miri Yeshiva, the survivors from the Holocaust. And they all had relatives in Chicago. That's why they came to Chicago. And the uh, Jewish Federation uh, uh, dug up uh, all of the uh, records they could to find out who was related to who? And there was consternation. Because what do I have to do with this person? Yeah? So, you know, Litvish uh, Yeshiva Light came and their cousin uh owned the car dealership and uh, had season tickets to the Chicago Cubs. <coughs> what? What's the connection here? There were those who could put it together and there were those who never could put it together. That's why you have uh, so many fractured families in the Jewish world. So Yosef is faced with this, with his brothers. How is he going, what is he going to do with them? So there were many options. He couldn't ignore them. You know, ten guys came to buy, so he could tell his guy, you know, take him to, to the shuk and let him buy whatever they want and tell them and let him go home and forget it. I have nothing to do with them. I don't want to see them. I don't want to talk to them. I don't want anything. That's one option. Second option is he could arrest all of them. 
need to get even right away. Look what you did to me. So he could say, I need Yosef. Remember me, guys? Put them all in jail. Let's see how they like it. And at a time of uh, despotic rule, uh, he had an option, like Paro had an option to hang the sorrow him. You know, he'd get rid of him. And instead he puts them through this elaborate drama until they finally rethink what happened. Because they've also, they're convinced they did the right thing. They're convinced that what they did to Yosef was correct and not cruel. They don't have second thoughts. He has to bring them back that they should think about it again. What's the relationship to a brother? Even to a guilty brother. I I was thinking now uh, the whole uh, Tararam in America regarding a uh, newscaster whose brother was a great politician and whose brother was found guilty, at least in the press and in public opinion, of uh, bad behavior. And uh, the brother that was the newscaster tried to help him. He wanted to... uh, And he did things that he also should not have done. But it raised a moral question. In America, there are very few moral questions. The moral question is, should a brother help a brother even if the other brother is guilty of bad behavior? And should he lose his job because of it? Because he helped his brother. That's a moral question. But since we don't, in our world, we don't deal with moral questions. So, uh, that pretty much is a background. While everybody rejoices over uh, the downfall of another person. Yosef wants to bring the brothers to an understanding as to what happened there. And he wants to put them in a situation where they will have to defend a brother whom they feel to be guilty. Binyamin, they will say, is a Ghanav. He's a Ghanav ben Ghanav. His mother was a Ghanav. He's a Ghanav. But they will be forced to defend him. Because he's their brother. Something which they did not realize when the brother was Yosef.
And when they get to that stage of understanding, when Yehuda says, we're not going to let our brother be a slave here. And Shimon and Levi say, we're going to divide up the city and we'll kill them all. That's when Yosef recognizes his brothers and they will finally recognize him. So we have here this entire development, evolution of Yosef. And it's so realistic because it's life as we know it. Everybody here knows problems such as these. If not, thank God, in our families, but so the neighbor. I have uh, two young men who uh, are my uh, helpers in the shopping for me and, and, uh, and uh, helping me uh, take showers and uh, take a walk every day, etc. You know, you know, an old man's an old man, okay? Both of them got thrown out of their homes. They were raised in yeshivas. We talk in learning and they don't have a kippah and they don't nothing. You see the story in front of your eyes. Because their anger at their family is so great that they can't see past it. But I am convinced that as they grow older, we have the famous statement, Sometimes what wisdom doesn't accomplish, time does. They get older. Eventually, uh, the refrigerator won't be enough. And they'll see their father in the window. And that's the conflict of psychology which exists in the Jewish world today. The secular Jew can't let go. Because if he let go, he would be happy. But he's not happy. So he has to twist and turn. has to make his own Hanukkah. Whatever it is. He has to do something. And I think that if we see it in that perspective, which is... One of the reasons why the Torah tells us the story. The Torah is not a storyteller. Because there's a great lesson of life here. So then we're able to adjust to all of these things. See it in a different light. And have a much more positive view of all of us. And eventually, that brings about a sense of unity and reconciliation. So I want to wish you all a good Shabbat.
and a wonderful Chodesh, and a happy Hanukkah, and be well. There's no Saturday night class this week, but it will start again next week. And there's a minion for Mincha today at 12.30, so please show up. Class next week. Class next week.